What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry. Derek, I didn't want to say daily podcast brought to you, blah, 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 because obviously it's not been daily for the last few days. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, back at it, I think, for the first time in a week. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, January 20th was our last episode. But some things have happened since, Sean, some good and uh, some bad. But... uh Probably won't discuss the, that Georgia game too much no. now as it's been, you know. No, we we won't. About a week. Yeah, about a week since that game. Obviously, you guys know what happened by then, uh, by now. But also, against LSU, Sean, I thought some positive things. Uh, they won, for one, which is uh, the obvious to start it off. But in this off-game stretch, we talked about a lot our last episode. You know, this, well, five-game stretch that started with LSU that we mentioned. Really good to get a win because you got Alabama and Texas this week. I'm not looking at anyone else's schedule. That might be the toughest two games anybody has in college basketball this week. Yeah, that's uh, Kentucky's entering a stretch right now, Derek. Where if they're going to make a run to get back in postseason contention, it has to come in the next four games. I mean, there's four opportunities here. You actually could say that Kentucky needs all four of them. And, you know, the chances of getting off four of them are very slim, but this this is where you have to do it. If they don't do it now, and this is a bad stretch, Derek, you can kind of just put a nail in the coffin and say it's done. Yeah, I mean, you got you got the game. Like Alabama and Texas, those are two top ten teams on Ken Palm. I don't know where they are in the AP rankings, but the computers like both those teams a lot. I mean, Missouri just beat Tennessee on the road, and that's who you got next week. You got Missouri and Tennessee. So... You would have – like, this is a stretch to get resume-building wins, and I'm sure – I'm guessing over there at UK, they're really beating themselves up over losing to Auburn and Georgia. Because if you pulled off those two wins and then you beat LSU, like, you're looking at a point where – I mean, one, you're still in good shape for the league had they done that. And then, two, I mean, you're in great shape for these next four games to really pick up resume-type wins that will make you feel better about making the postseason. Yeah, they will. And you know, I didn't get to watch either game this week. I didn't watch the Georgia game, and I did not watch the LSU game. <laughs> so I have no idea exactly what happened in those games. I was busy competing for a district championship on, on my end that we did win. So that's where I have been for the last week is just uh, caught up with all that and chasing that. But just looking at the box score, Derek, from Saturday, you know, B.J. Boston had the best week he's had as a Kentucky Wildcat. I mean, back-to-back performances that you can finally say that he's given you something. The only thing that I would say is you want to see it a more efficient 17, 18 points, not taking 17 shots yeah. to get it. If you're taking 17 shots, it needs to be about a 24, 25, 26-point night. 
uh, adding in the free throw line. I think I think that's the biggest thing you want to see now. But how encouraging is that for him coming off his first appearance off the bench Wednesday night, and then he carries it over and plays a ton of minutes against LSU in a, in a victory? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really important for for him and the team. I mean, he at Georgia, you know, his mid range game was was pretty solid. He was getting to the rim. He really worked hard on the glass against Georgia. He, he had, I think, four offensive rebounds that game, and he got some easy buckets that way. Um, Cal, I mean, he did a lot better job too in terms of he did take a lot more shots. I mean, still is taking a lot of shots, but I thought. I didn't recall as many bad shots, I guess. Like, he had a couple that uh, Cal calls him the flip flipsy doodle or whatever Cal says. You know what I'm talking about. He goes in there, uh, tries to flip it up over somebody, and he did it once against LSU and it led to a bucket the other way and he got taken out right away. But I do think he's had some growth in that area. So that was important for him, encouraging um, as a team, like, the big reason against LSU they were able to get a lead is because they were knocking down some threes. Now, this team is very, well, I'll say streaky, but it might not really be true because I think they're actually just a pretty bad shooting team overall. But they hit four of the first six against LSU, and everyone was thinking, okay, these guys are confident. And it really did help them build like a 15-point lead early in the game. But, Sean, after that, doing the math, I think they went three for 18 after that point. So, the only thing is I can't have it both ways because I kind of – which, okay, like I said, they're not a good shooting team. At the same time, you still got to attempt them, and they actually did that against LSU. They attempted several threes. I think probably more threes that game than they attempted all season. 20, so 26. I liked that strategy. Yeah, seven of 26. Uh, and then so it's still the- not very good, but you got to take them if they're there. And uh, Yeah. Because when I mean, we watched the game, Sean, they've taken only like, what, under 15 threes per game, and that's just it's, so different yeah, took, than how most teams play. They went you know? 0 of 10 that lost to Richmond early in the season. I mean, just didn't, only shot didn't 10. Like against Georgia, I think they only shot 13, but they only made one. <laughs> yeah. So they but, are a bad shooting team, but I don't know if that makes sense. Someone listening to that might say, well, Derek, why do you think they should keep shooting enough? And running? I, I just think, like, you can't get outscored by 20, 30 points from the three-point line like they have several games this season. I mean, not just, when they're Not when they're so bad offensively. As yeah, a whole. I mean, here, here's the thing about it: they scored 82 points Saturday against LSU. I'm not gonna. I haven't even watched the tape, and I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh, they got their offense figured out." I mean, LSU right. is just pretty bad defensively. I mean, Alabama torched them a week ago. So I want to see this moving forward. How do they look offensively moving into this week? Tomorrow night will be a big test. I mean, do they do they get it lined out against Alabama? You, it's a big opportunity. I mean, Kentucky's definitely going to be going into this thing as the underdog. I think that there's a chance, Derek, they go in as an underdog for the next four games. Should, honestly. Yeah, should. I agree with that. Um, I think this is going to be a game Cal. I mean, Cal's one is not used to taking beatings like Al. I mean, it was the worst loss by margin they've had at Rupp Arena under him to Alabama. Um, Kentucky has always basically – more or less every year Cal has been at Kentucky. If they weren't the best team in the SEC, they were at least in the mix as being the best team, you know, since 2013. But Alabama's the talk this year. They've not lost an SEC game. Um, Kentucky doesn't get to play this role very much, uh, usually in a year, and that's, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, you don't want to – nobody wants to be in the spot that Kentucky's in this year. 
having to be this type of underdog. But it does feel like the type of game that, I mean, theoretically, let's just say that they do win the next two. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they would be very, very, very fortunate just to win one of these next two games. But in a world where they did win two in a row, Sean, what what is does that change your your feeling on this thing moving forward this season, or do you think it's do you think those Auburn and Georgia losses put them in a spot where you know they're just in trouble? It, well, if you win both of them, you've at least put yourself in the conversation to possibly earn a bid. If you can, they're just they have to climb above five hundred to get one, Derek. Like there's no chance that being below five hundred. So even two wins in the next two, they'd still be seven and nine overall with Tennessee and Missouri coming up next. So even if, if they win three games in the stretch, they would still be two games under five hundred after the after this brutal four-game stretch. And then you still have Tennessee one more time, uh, still have Florida late in the schedule. I, I don't know. Like I, I think it would change it would change how I view them on whether or not I think they're actually a better basketball team than what we've been seeing. But did yeah. those early season struggles and then that two-game losing streak or the three-game losing streak – uh, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, specifically Auburn and Georgia, did it finally just – is that what broke the back? And I, I kind of think that that's the stretch we're going to look back when this team's not in the NCAA tournament. I don't think this team's making the NCAA tournament. I actually would say that they lose three of these four. On, that's yeah, just, that's just how I feel about it. I just – I don't think anyone can sit here even after Saturday and, you know, I'm going to go back and watch the game today, but just looking at stats – I still don't know, like if if this team is good enough to even win two of the next four, let alone three or four of them. LSU is pretty much every team's like get right game offensively because they are just atrocious uh, year in and year out. Honestly, under Will Wade, they just I don't I don't know if he doesn't care about defense or just can't coach it very well or what. But that that team, LSU can score typically. Maybe that's what we should point out. LSU is one of the best, not the best, Alabama. If you watch them play, obviously Alabama is just a dominant offense this year. LSU typically doesn't have too much trouble scoring points, and Kentucky held it to 69 points. So I thought that was a really good defensive performance. Um, You look at some of LSU's other games in the league, 94 against Georgia, 75 against Ole Miss, 92 against Arkansas, 85 against South Carolina. Those games are all wins. So that's a team that that could put up some points. But their last two games, though, against – you know, Alabama, Kentucky, that they did struggle a little bit more. I mean, especially defensively against Alabama. They gave up an SEC record 23 threes, but only scored 75, and then against Kentucky, just 69. So defensively, it's kind of been the same story, Sean. Like, Kentucky plays really well. I mean, they're losing games. They lost both games last week, and they didn't even give up 70 points. So that kind of tells you how bad offensively Kentucky has been. And then the fact that they went out there and put up 49 in the first half on LSU. I'm kind of with you. I think that was probably more of a sign that LSU was just a bad opponent defensively yeah. instead of yeah. saying Kentucky found some things. Well, it's one of those things that you want to look at and see does it carry over. You know, how do we how do we how do they look tomorrow night and how do we assess exactly what happens at Alabama? I mean, obviously if they come out and they score a lot of points on Alabama and then obviously you need to see the defense improve against Alabama. Uh that's what you want to look at and see. Just just looking at the stats though, Olivier Saar, I mean, yeah, he had 13 points and five rebounds, hit seven of eight free throws, but played 12, 12 minutes. Foul trouble. Just looking at that, Derek, I mean, are we to the point that he's just kind of more a non-factor than anything else? Um, you're talking about Saar, right? Yeah. 
Sorry, someone sent me a tweet from 10 years ago that I just saw. Uh, <laughs> my friend. Um, I, I don't know that I would call him a, a non-factor at this point. I would like to see more lineups that consist of Isaiah Jackson and Keon Brooks, though. Like, I think that's probably going to be their best well, post moving forward. Keon, back to the efficiency thing on Brandon Boston, when we were talking about him shooting 7 of 17 to get to 18 points. And that's, I mean, hey, that's a huge improvement for him, but you want to see the, the, a more efficient stat line. You got one with Keon Brooks. Eight shot attempts, 15 points. And, but he got to the free throw line, hit all four free throws. So that, that efficiency you know, that I'm talking about and stuff. Uh, Devin Askew struggled again uh, from the field, 0-5, trying to find turnover numbers. Only one turnover, though, four assists. That's encouraging. But played a ton of minutes, 33 minutes again. I mean, Askew's kind of been the guy that you look at. He plays a ton of minutes through yeah. the struggles and through the ups. And uh, John Calipari does that for a reason, Derek. I, I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know if we've been able to kind of pinpoint what it is. But – He's been the guy that's played regardless of how he's played. And I'm not saying that Askew's been, like, just awful. I mean, he's had his moments where he looked good. He obviously was not very good at Georgia. Uh, I haven't got to see the tape, like I said. How how did you assess what he did Saturday, having watched the game? Um, This is probably just my opinion. Uh, other people watching the game probably noticed it more than I did. Um. I didn't realize that his numbers were as bad as they were until I actually until the game was over and I saw he didn't score, didn't didn't make any shots from the field, um, but didn't turn it over. Didn't no, I, like, I didn't think he was. He didn't stand out to me one way or the other. I guess is the way I would put it. Um, but yeah, he did play a ton of minutes. I, the only thing I can assume is, I mean, Cal probably views him as a very uh, important part of next year's team. Um, I agree and, with that. And gaining this experience now is is fine. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with it. Um, and another thing too, man, is they're just like with Clark out still. Uh, there's no obvious like if a guy's not playing well, yeah, you can try to work around it. But I think he he still gives you enough even on his off nights that he's not unplayable. So um, I think any kind of experience he gets this year um, will be very important for for next year's team. This will be good. This will be good growth for him. So I think so. I Isaiah think Jackson for, grabs 15 rebounds. Yeah, great game. Minutes. If you're on stat broadcast, go to the analytics because his defensive stats were crazy the other day. His defensive ratings, I think, the best anybody had all season from Kentucky. That's incredible. Yeah. If uh, can you imagine what his numbers would be like if he ever gets to the point that he can play 27, 28, 30 minutes like some of the rest of these oh, guys yeah. are? Uh, he's he's a rebounding machine. Like just. Cleans up the glass. How many blocks did he have? I'm trying to see. Uh, I don't have the stats pulled up. Did I miss that? No, he had zero blocks. No, one block. Sorry, he had one block. So, uh, fifteen rebounds though. Jeez, four of them offensive. Uh, two of five from the floor. Six points. Fifteen boards. He just—that's the kind of guy. If you can keep him on the floor for a long period of time, good things happen. And uh, I agree with what you said about guy... Brooks. If you were an NBA team, would he be the guy you would take first? Absolutely. Off this roster? Yeah. yeah, just based off potential alone and how he impacts games? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, He's a uh, kind of a black hole on offense. I think he kind of gets the ball and doesn't really know what to do with it. His production, <laughs> but, uh, though, 
just yeah. his production, like you would you would think though, just playing sixteen minutes, if he can get to where he can play twenty eight to thirty, I mean his production's gonna go up significantly. Uh, I did watch the last few minutes of the Georgia game, and he I thought he – didn't he make a big play there in the final stretch and score a basket or something in the final two or three minutes? is like maybe their last basket. I don't think he missed a shot against Georgia, right? I, I don't think, think so. So you that's what they you want to see is him get more minutes down the stretch. Uh, Kentucky had three guys go over 30 minutes. Davion Mintz, Brandon Boston, Devin Askew, Keon Brooks got right at 30 minutes. Uh, Lance Ware. He had another uh, tough shooting day as well. I, I saw that, 2 of 11. Yeah. yeah, Jacob Toppin, only nine minutes. Anything lead to that? No, I think that was just a, the product of, of Jackson and, and Keon playing pretty well. They, they He was out there again, and he used another big lineup, but it was – I think it was – I think Jackson and, and Toppin and um, Brooks were on the floor together. And I don't know if that was a lineup we had seen prior to that game. I actually don't have as big of a problem with that lineup. Uh, Toppin hit a jumper. It's a little surprising I played nine minutes, actually. I didn't realize that. So during that game, Kentucky got a football commitment or before that game started. And I was down a deep rabbit hole doing football recruiting stuff. And, like, I was paying attention to the basketball game, but I was also kind of doing other things, too. It was one of those type of games. And uh, when the team's – four and nine or whatever they were going into that game. That's just some of the things that happened, I guess. But uh, it was a good win. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a good win. And um, if you are going to turn this thing around, it was one that they had to have for sure. Uh, LSU is now 40th. So it was their second best win. So now they've got wins over Florida and LSU, which you could categorize as good wins. I mean, Florida I mean, Florida beat the hell out of Tennessee last week. Yeah, and then they, they did. Beat they, they held off against Georgia. So, I mean, Florida might be turning some things around. That looks like a pretty good win. Um, these, are, these are some big games this week, though, Sean. you got any early predictions on uh, how they fare against Alabama tomorrow? A loss, <laughs> if you want me to be honest. I mean, if anybody sitting here says Kentucky's going to go to Alabama tomorrow night and win, they need to be drug tested because they're clearly out of their mind. There's no way that you can just say, yeah, that, that's going to be a win. Uh, but I will say this, if they go beat Alabama, I think you get a large portion of the fans interested again, and then that matchup Saturday with Texas becomes a massive game. Like, these two games, Derek, are massive. But, like I said, I would lean more towards Kentucky losing three of them than I would Kentucky winning two of them. But, you say the only win against Missouri or Tennessee? I really don't know. Nah. Ken Palm has so Ken Palm. If you go up his percentages, tell me if you remember this. He's giving Kentucky a twenty-one percent chance to win tomorrow against Alabama. That's as low as I can ever remember. Yeah. UK having a chance to win a basketball game, twenty-one percent. I mean, incredible. he's got him as a nine-point nine-point underdog. Honestly, if you had me pick one that I think they would win out of the next four. I don't know why I just feel like Saturday against Texas. I don't know why I just keep going to that one. This I just think would be the most likely, in my opinion. I don't know why. I, I can't really give you anything. It just feels like that style of play tomorrow night, Alabama's going to shoot the three. It's at Alabama. Uh, pick a loss there. Rick Barnes just has John Calipari's number, another one. That's why I would I would go Rick Barnes in Tennessee and then at Missouri – I don't really think Kentucky ever plays well when they go to Missouri, regardless of whether there's fans in the stands or there's not fans in the stands. I, I just don't – I don't like that trip. 
Do what? They're an old veteran. That's an old veteran physical type team. I think Kentucky will have a have a really tough time against Missouri. But I will say this: winning, going two and two, doesn't. I don't think two and two does you anything. If you if you split these next four, does you nothing. For Kentucky to get back in the NCAA tournament conversation, Derek, and at least have because the back end of the schedule, you can see some wins there to where they could climb above 500. They got to go three or four. They got to win three of the next four. And I mean, if you can go get one tomorrow night, if you get these two this week and then just split with Tennessee, Missouri, I think you're back in the hunt to at least be in the conversation that if you close strong, even if there's not an SEC tournament. I mean, we don't we don't know. Like, you'd have three really good wins on your resume to add to Florida and LSU if you can win three of the next four. That, and that's that's a stretch. Asking them to win two is a stretch. But th- this is a, you have to do this. Like, that's the only chance they have. It is, and you got you know starting um, not not this Saturday against Texas, but the following Saturday they'll play Tennessee at home, and you've got three straight home games then. And the road games will be at Vandy, which will be a win, and then at Tennessee, which will probably be a loss, I guess. But you're right. I mean, after you play Tennessee on the 6th, you play at home against Arkansas and at home against Auburn. Uh, I think they'll win both of those games. And then you got Vanderbilt. That should be a win. And you got A&M pretty soon after that. Like, you're right. There are wins to be had. But – their wins that more so will just kind of help the record at the end of the season versus actually helping them get a bid if they don't win some of these other games. So I'm with you. I think they're they could provide some hope if they win a couple of these next few games. But I think they're still in a spot that if there is an SEC tournament, they're going to have to win it to get in, um, unless they just reel off, you know. A, well, think about this game winning streak right here or something. Think about Which this. It's not going to happen. A four-game winning streak against these four teams, four very good wins, it would only get you to 500. That's how bad they've been this year, that they could beat these four teams who are arguably the four best games on their schedule, and it would get you to 500. That, that's how bad they've been. That's how that's how deep the hole is. And, and also probably an indication that them actually winning four games in a row was, was just incredibly unlikely. Yes, but right now, each win, you're throwing a little bit of dirt out of the hole. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're actually, you're climbing back out of it a little bit, and that's what, that's what they need. They started with LSU. They, you had to find a way to win. I, I said late last week, I said, if they lose this one, I don't think anyone, there'll be some, I don't even know if people would even watch. I mean, that Georgia collapse was just brutal. Like, losing that game the way they did down the stretch to a team that they dominated for like 14 straight. Just, just backbreaking, and then to do it on an out of bounds set where they didn't switch, like when the ball play a man, they didn't switch a back screen. So frustrating to watch. I, I know that the meltdown that night on Twitter when I got on and everything, I was like, I, I just can't believe. Like, I don't even know. Do I want to watch this? No, I did not. <laughs> it, it was. Um, I thought it was one of the worst. Excuse me. That was one of the worst losses that they've had, and and. Quite some time, you know, because they played awful, Sean. I mean, Georgia is not a good team. We all know that. And Kentucky, one, they gave them a 7-0 run, didn't score in the last two minutes. I mean, they had that game. They should have been able to ice it. Um, but even if even had Kentucky won, they just didn't play well, man. Like, I might get the numbers flip-flop, but they had 16 turnovers, and they gave up 17 offensive boards, and they made one three. And they still 
should have won. So it just kind of tells you how bad how bad it was. It goes I mean, back to that margin for error that I've been talking about all season. Yeah. That they have to just they pretty much have to be like perfect to win basketball games. Now the assist numbers were really encouraging Saturday against LSU, which yeah. same thing that happened at Florida. Uh, so I mean, obviously it's in there for them to play well, Derek. It's just about now is that how do they sustain it over a period of time? Like how do you string together consecutive performances that are very good and very encouraging? Well, they need one tomorrow night. It's an opportunity. Kentucky at Alabama, I know we'll be back to talk all about that, but you also wanted to add in some football recruiting notes as well before we wrap up today. Yeah, you know, we've not talked any football recruiting probably since signing day, I guess, but uh, they're on the board now, Kentucky is, for the 2022 class. Um, Jeremiah Caldwell, a four-star, listed as an athlete. He plays wide receiver in DB at his high school in, in Belleville, Michigan, but um, he'll be a DB for Kentucky. But Probably the point I wanted to make, Sean, and uh, I guess I'm going to get this hype train going, but uh, I, I think as it stands now, on January 25th, by rank, I think uh, I think they've got a pretty good chance to, to finish with their best school class in school history by ranking or by composite recruiting points. And uh, I say that because I was saying this before we got on. I mean, I've, I've kind of – if you follow this recruiting stuff, football um, – the 2022 class is going to be probably going to see some more commitments in the next few months. I mean, you're going to see a lot of kids in that class go off the board, not not just the UK, but everywhere. But you can look at seven composite four-star players already um, who Kentucky is probably at worst in the top five with. And I would say they lead for a few of those guys. So I think you're looking at a class that you could have six or seven four-stars, which would match – what they did in 2014, and I believe what they did in 2020, that class that had you know Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes, all those guys. But the one thing I'd, I'd point out is there are three kids who I think fans really need to keep an eye on in terms of how the class might finish and why these guys are important, and that's Gavin Wimsett, the quarterback from Owensboro, uh, Keontae Goodwin, who is an offensive tackle, originally from Kentucky. I believe he plays high school football in Indiana now. And the other guy is Mill Wagner. If that sounds familiar, Sean, I don't know. You, I don't think you've talked to him before. That is Ahmad Wagner's little brother. All three of those guys are top 100 or top 150 players on 24/7, and because of that, their composite rankings are quite high. So those are three guys that, if they sign them, how about this little stat for you? If they sign those three kids, in terms of all-time commitments in the internet era, they would be three of the top six they've ever signed. And, and I would say they're right there in the top. Top three for they all are. three of those guys. Well, they've, they've so, been there. I know they've been there with Wagner from the beginning. Like, I mean, yeah, that was like all, his all first those guys. They've been, I mean, Vince Merrill offered Keontae Goodwin when he was like in seventh grade. Yeah. And Wimsett is has kind of blown up here lately. Well, but And that's what you want to see, right? I mean, oh, this, yeah. this oh, deep yeah. into the March Stoops era, and they're making this, you know, change on the offensive side and all this, and you got this renewed energy and, you know, around the program and that they're ready to take the next step, that, that that's how you take the next step is you want to see recruiting go beyond what they've done to this point. And, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. Like, has Kentucky kind of reached where they're going to be? Is there Can they go beyond what they have been? That That's how you do it. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, it's not many years either that they start a class with a four-star kid from out of state. And uh, <laughs> Caldwell is a guy – Talking to Alan Triu, who is our Midwest reporter at 24-7, he covers Michigan. He, he has seen 
uh, Belleville play multiple times. I was going through his old stories he had written about that high school, and uh, he he likes Caldwell a lot. I mean, it's kind of getting back to those guys that were signing early on in the Stoops era, the six three corners. You know, you had Westry, Derek Beatty, had some other big guys that they had recruited, Lonnie Johnson. So he's more of that mold. Um, and his his high school teammate, he's had a teammate up there, Christian Rapley, who's also a four star on twenty four seven. Allen told me that he thought Penn State might be the team to beat. Um, but I think Kentucky's right there in the mix for him as well. And, you know, other in-state kids, we got Grant Bingham, who's a four-star. Uh, Travion Longmire is a four-star on 24-7. He's not a four in the composite, but he's one of those high three-star type kids that, you know, pretty much their whole 2020 class consisted of either four-star kids or high three-stars. So I think this class is going to be pretty similar. Um no really predictions for me as like who the next guy will be, but I think all, I mean I think they're in really good shape for Dan Key's another guy I didn't mention who I mean he he might be uh, sort of Wimpsit I mean by the rankings he's he's probably gonna be one of their top targets if not their top target from certainly from the city the high school he goes to I mean it's become kind of the prominent high school in Lexington in terms of feeding talent to colleges so I would say. If things shake out right, like they've got a chance to really uh, make some noise. And when I, was, when I was talking about the all-time commitments, I mean, in terms of three out of the top six, also on that list, I mean, if you're, if you're just thinking down the road for teams like Kentucky, Justin Rogers is already on there and Jagger Burton were also in the top ten. So, I mean, you could have a situation here if they land those three guys, Wimpsett, Goodwin, and Wagner. You would, you know, come 2023, 20, 2024, those are all guys who should still be on your roster. So you're talking about five of the best kids you've ever recruited in the internet era, all been on the same team. Yeah. So I think it's exciting times right now, for sure. They still have to go out and they have to land these kids at the sign them, but I think it's going to be a pretty strong bounce back class from what, in terms of the star rankings and things like that, like it was a bit of a down year, I think in 2021, but you have to let those kids get out there and prove themselves. I mean, it might be one of those classes like 2015 where, they weren't ranked very high on paper, but every kid it seemed like in that class who played uh, really made a great impact. So it could be that way for 2021. But I'm definitely in the mindset you want to recruit. You know, you you want the stars. I know some people say they don't matter, but I would disagree. All the teams that are in contention have good recruiting classes. And uh, for Kentucky to be able to kind of cut down on that talent gap between themselves and Georgia and Florida teams like that. Like you've got to land some of these kids. And I think they really stand a pretty good chance to, uh, to have a special class this upcoming year. Yeah. They put themselves in position to do that for sure. And take the program to another level. I know there's a lot of energy around the football program right now, Derek. And I know the basketball season's kind of put everybody's eyes on the spring and seeing exactly what happens. If there is going to be any type of spring game and then going into the summer and then to, uh, to the fall, be here before we know it. Uh, but we want to give a shout-out to the Butcher's Pub. been missing doing this for the last few days. Uh, the Butcher's Pub, <laughs> two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg. Derek, that uh, they're open all the way with their normal hours now. No more limited hours for the Butcher's Pub. They're showing the games on the TVs out there, so get out to the Butcher's Pub tomorrow night to watch Kentucky and Alabama, and then get out there again on Saturday for Kentucky and Texas. Uh, like I said, we opened the show. Uh, I apologize for the delay in getting episodes up for the last week. We only had one episode up since Kentucky's loss to Auburn. Uh, I apologize for that. I was really busy uh, with my middle school basketball team. We won the district championship over the yeah. last week, and now we're moving on to sectionals and have an opportunity to 
win a state championship for the first time in the school's history. We got a really good opportunity to make a really good run. Also had a family member that was uh, battling COVID for the last few days too. So uh, that's been on my mind, but he's improving. And then uh, Derek, just uh, normal life back to it. And we'll be back five episodes this week. We're going to do a mailbag episode on Tuesday. So I'm going to go ahead and tweet that out in the next bit to uh, start submitting mailbag questions. We'll do two mailbags this week to make up for last week. Sounds good to me. Happy to hear that uh, your family member's doing better. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a lot better over the last few days. Uh, Friday and Saturday, Thursday through Saturday looked rough, but good news, it's on the way. Uh, hopefully this vaccine keeps rolling out. My mom's my mom's got both uh, both rounds of the vaccine now, had no side effects with it or anything, so that's encouraging. I know that, that second dose has been uh, throwing some people for a loop, though. <laughs> I had yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard that. I um. My my buddy who told me he's young, obviously, but he he's got both doses as well. So people keep getting vaccinated. Um, I'm on the list waiting. Uh, media is in the next uh, round whenever that comes out, Sean. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know that or not. You want to get it, but uh, still, still haven't got a firm date. But uh, people, if you you know if you want to get vaccinated, it'll help uh, certainly curb this uh, pandemic and. You know, hopefully, come fall when football season rolls back around, we'll be able to get, I don't know, uh, damn near close feeling, to capacity. I was, I, was <laughs> rough. I was feeling rough there a few days ago, and I was like, uh oh, it, it's this, it's got me finally. <laughs> After everything, it's finally got me. But no, I, I started feeling better on Friday. But like I said, we apologize. I apologize for that. Uh, in the future, if that if that happens and my team advances, we'll find somebody to fill in for me, Derek. I'm sure that Kalen would probably fill in a couple of episodes or someone like that, and you all can kind of carry it on. Uh, we don't play again until Saturday. My, my team doesn't, so we've got all week and everything. But uh, hopefully you all, I'll update you all on my middle school team on the show along the ride, and maybe in a few weeks uh, I'll be a state champion as well, Derek. Well, we'll be pulling for you. You got the support of Kentucky Daily, uh, the fan base. We'll be backing you as your team. Uh, Make sure any if you if you guys do win, you need to have Jack come on here and uh, explain what he witnessed. I, I know you said he's been to a game. I've I've not seen your I've seen clips of your team play. I've not been there to to watch this magic in person. Yeah. But we wish you the best of luck, Sean. Absolutely, we're undefeated, and we'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, but he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll be back next time on Kentucky Daily. Mm-hmm.